0: They try to drown me. I can swim upstream so profoundly. I can stay calm in a dire
1: situation. I'm at it every day, no time for a vacation. And I smell blood in the water. Everything I do, yeah, I do it for my daughters. Now, I'm gonna shut your lips. It's time for a brand new episode of What? We talking Just say what? We talking jit, say what? We talking jit, say what? We talking jit, said talkin talkin it's time for a brand new episode of Talking Jit. Hey guys thanks for tuning in. Today's episode we got everyone's favorite Donald Lipscomb and uh, as promised on the previous episodes or one of the previous episodes we're gonna get into the life and challenges that you don't see for the average MMA fighter. Um, It may look easy and you may get to see two guys beat the shit out of each other for 20 minutes in a ring but there is a lot more behind it than what you really know and what you really think and Today we're going to dive into that, maybe give you a little bit extra perspective and respect for how much actually goes behind each and every fight and uh, how fucked up this game is, right, dude? (laughs) It's not easy. But uh, so everyone, welcome. Donald. Donald, thanks for joining me.
0: What's up, everyone? Thanks for having me, Kevin.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I guess some of the background. You and I, we've been close friends since high school. We're actually yeah. holding hands right now. No, I'm just kidding. But, but uh just touching fingertips. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um we've been close friends since high school. Um fuck, how did it come about? Oh yeah, I like boxing. You guys are all wrestlers. Yeah. And there is a little bit of a rivalry. Millie, get down. My dog's gonna bug the Amiliar. shit out of you the whole Amiliar. time. Come Can here, familiar friends. Yeah. It's all right. Um <clears throat> but yeah, I like boxing. All you guys are wrestlers and used to gang up on me and pick on me. <laughs> We're bullies. Yeah, no, Ke- Kevin was a lone bully, trying to bully all of us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> but no, yeah, we we would just we would get into it like the age old discussion that even still today is taking place: as striker versus grappler. Um, being wrestlers, that was my first form of grappling. Um, but I'd also grown up doing martial arts, so um, I had an understanding of you know, basic striking, um, not, not super deep, but you know, we would, we would always put on boxing gloves and just do what, do what teenage boys do. And, and every chance we got, we would just box each other. Another tough kid would come around and be like, Hey, we should box. And it was just kind of the, the thing that we did. I remember the, there was a park near my house. That was that, that I hung out with since I was probably like 12. And we would always have boxing gloves there. And then as we, as kids will come by, it was right near a trailer or a trail and kids will walk by who looked tough and we'd be like, Hey, you want to box? And it would turn into that. And then that gradually turned into us being old enough to go to the beach by ourselves. And we were always boxing at the beach. We would be boxing at parties.
1: So that was kind of our, we did the Kimbo stuff. Yeah. Like before Kimbo even like was big. Yeah. It was, I I remember I used to always have gloves in my Jeep. Yeah. No, and that
0: was it. Like it was two pairs and, so you're you're ready to go if uh... good old sports fun yeah. <laughs> so that was you know that was our early
1: days and that wasn't sanction fighting or anything. It but... is it is so funny to look back on like all you guys like wrestling and we were, we all had the same gym class and I'd be like <laughs> I'd be like boxing's better yeah. And you all you fucking guys would just be like and I don't know if I knew deep down you were right <laughs> but I just didn't want to say it. But you guys would just like always be like. Tell me, like we would just always have these arguments, like, yeah, but ninety percent of fights go to the ground. Then what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah wrestlers will take it, uh, are willing to take a punch or two to get you down. Yeah, the idea They get
0: to determine who they get wrestlers, and it's and it's it's Huzzle. still in the UFC. It's they get to determine the pace, the direction that the fight goes. If they wanna, the better wrestler gets to su- decide whether the fight stays standing or goes to the ground. Yeah, and yeah. being a better wrestler could mean you have a better sprawl. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have better takedown and then as we're finding in the UFC that there's it's if if a guy's got a good if a guy's got a good jab and a and a good sprawl then that's that's wrestling for actually fighting versus like getting in a wrestling stance and 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 not having the consequences so yeah there's there is definitely there's there's more to it than just will a wrestler beat a boxer like we got to see it happen in the UFC where Randy Couture fought, was it James Tony or, yeah, 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 and he beat him in, a, in with a, him in a minute. But Randy Couture was also a boxer, and at that time he was a
1: like he was a UFC champion. So I mean, take it from me, dude. Like I went from being all like into striking and boxing to like we got into training together, and then you know I eventually chose like jitsu was like my favorite path. You know, not to not to say I don't like anything else, but the jujitsu was like, like man, it's not as fun to watch. But when you start, it's like, it's a grind. It's very challenging. It's like 3D chess. Yeah, like it's, but like you realize like how important it really is. Yeah, like, and
0: and that's like we're seeing with, you know, fighters coming in today.
1: You got the Israel
0: Adesanya's and a lot of these a lot of these other fighters that are having an extensive kickboxing background that they come into the UFC and. It's almost I think it's almost easier to transition into fighting from being a high level kickboxer than it is to, from being a high level jujitsu practitioner. At least that's wh- that's where it's at right now because those guys have been in hundreds of fights whereas whereas a jiu-jitsu competitor, they haven't necessarily or even a wrestler, let's say, they haven't necessarily been in an actual fight where you have the risk of getting knocked out. Uh, they've been in a lot of matches so they have that experience but they don't I think one of the biggest fears early on in fighting is getting over getting punched in the face and learning how to stay composed when you get hit and they at least have that part of it coming in so just like we've we've seen like Justin Gaethje what did he do he went all in on striking yeah and he doesn't hardly use his wrestling and he was an all-american wrestler at one of the best college, or not, not necessarily one at the Division One level. So at a at a good college, competing against the best wrestlers in the country. So, it it kind of shows that that both are true. And in today's fight game, you kind of have to have everything.
1: So. Yeah, it always amazed me how um like Jose Aldo. I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit. I know people respect no, think him, but like for yeah. how long he held the belt. And you Gotta think like that dude came in as like a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, yeah, and never fucking went to the ground in his face. No. <laughs> like, yeah. he, like, you don't even realize, like, had that guy even he never even like had to rely on his best trait, yeah. It's fucking cool. His
0: leg, he was he was one of the first like incredible leg kickers, yeah, that that really exploited in a lot of ways a lot of a lot of people who don't have have good striking and don't have good, like Uriah Faber, for example, amazing wrestler, amazing fighter, but he couldn't check leg kicks. And Jose auto literally put him in the hospital from kicking him in the leg and just dominated him.
1: Dude's tough as fuck. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. It's not, there's no, at that level, you can't take toughness away from anybody. It's uh, like, just to even be there kind of like we're saying in the beginning, like the, the steps it takes to even stick with MMA long enough to get to the get to the big leagues is uh yeah. you you've already kind of earned your earned your badge of toughness you could say how
1: how much of like a difference like uh cuz when we were so I could probably say I can say I trained to an amateur level back yeah. then like you know I never went pro but um and then once the team broke up I kind of stuck with jiu jitsu yeah. I tried to go do everything and be my own manager and all that shit and that was tough and that's another point we'll probably brush up on and how hard it is to actually be an m m a fighter, yeah especially as a career but um how much of a different level do you think it is from amateur to pro to like like let's just actually let's make it easy from pro to like u f c bellator yeah uh p f l level
0: yeah i mean i think the the biggest differences is, is probably getting yourself pointed in the right direction early and being able to commit to it. So I, I can use my story as the best example, um, trying to go pro and that, that process and how hard it is. And maybe that, you know, for some, some of the younger listeners who might have an idea of going pro it's, it's do it, go pro whenever you can go all in on fighting. Cause in the early in the early points of a professional career is i would say almost the hardest part because you're not making any money you don't necessarily have scheduled fights it's a lot of times you got to always be in camp and that's what that's why i saw training at Jackson Wink the guys who are in the UFC now that weren't in the UFC when i was training with them mm-hmm. they were consistently training constantly constantly getting better they were always in shape always in shape always in fight camp ready to take a fight on a two-week notice and that versus the guys who just were there saying like oh i want to go pro i want to be a pro fighter but the commitment was the commitment wasn't there so they they barely even scratched the surface on being an amateur because they didn't actually love being a martial artist and i think that's that's the first part of it is training as, as most of the listeners know, cause I, I assume a lot of them train martial arts, waking up in the morning and training is a grind in and of itself. We, we love it. And we think that it's, we think that it's like the best things for our lives, but sometimes you have to take that thing that you love doing and make it your job. And that takes away from some of the, the love, the love of it. So you're, you're now turning your passion into your job. And that's where the burnout can take place. So it takes a special kind of person who can really, really train that hard year round when they're sick, when they don't feel good, when they have nagging injuries, um, to really even get to the level that you need to be to to be a competitive pro fighter. Because early on in your career, like everybody starts out 0 and oh, right? And then by the time you're three 0 four and oh, you're fighting guys who are basically at the UFC level, but just haven't got there yet. So everybody at that point is kind of jockeying for that next big fight that's going to get them in the UFC. So the first fight, it's smart to take one against somebody who's who's not going to be a future UFC fighter. That's what that's that's what my manager would tell me. Like, this isn't a good first fight because you don't want to get paid eight hundred dollars to fight some guy that's, that's gonna eventually, you would eventually be able to fight him and make $5,000 maybe to get into the UFC. So there's that, that kind of aspect of it is early on choosing the right fights and then, and then just training and being ready to take that, take that fight that you should be taking for your first fight. And that's what, that's what I was kind of working towards when I was fighting, like just being ready so, when the when that fight came, that was the best one for my pro debut. I was ready for it, and I think a, lo- a lot of people don't capitalize on that first fight. So they come out and they're zero and one, and then their confidence is down, and then they go zero and two, and it's by the time you're zero and two or zero and three, it's way harder to get into the UFC. So your yeah. first few fights, granted they're not in the UFC, but they're they're equally important for your career as your early UFC fights are because. Just like the UFC, you go in the UFC and you go zero and two or zero and three and you're out.
1: So, I I want to circle back to um we're talking about being in shape, like your first point, um staying in shape. That's one thing I had the issue with, if you remember, when we were on the team, like getting fights to stick. Yeah, I mean, how many times did I cut weight, which is not my favorite. That's a whole other yeah. issue. But like, like <clears throat> I mean, we went all the way to New Orleans. Yeah, if you remember, yeah, no, drove remember there. I had like a weight cut to where I didn't eat like the whole last day. I actually weighed in three pounds under what I needed to. Um, then we go on to like an all-you-can-eat buffet. We take the night. We come back the next day, and the guy that I'm supposed to fight has bad blood work or whatever. Yeah. They're literally, literally wrapping my hands, and then yeah. they come in and say like your fight's canceled. Um, that's something I see a lot of here too. Like a lot of the guys like around here, that I know, because um, you know, I always train with MMA guys. They uh, they like get fights booked, but people just like floss. Yeah, like, they fall out. It's like not easy to get like a fight to stick. It's not. It's like that's uh, I think that's a big issue. Yeah, and I had well, in
0: in trying to go pro, I had four potential pro debut fights and where fell through. Where they all either fell through, or the opponent didn't take it. So, See? um, and that's that's kind of one of the issues training at a big camp where you got a flag like Jackson Wink mm-hmm. MMA they see is, that name is they there. see that name and they're being smart they're like I don't want this guy for my first pro fight or maybe they're maybe they're one of those guys who's 0 and 1 or 0 and 2 or 1 and 2 because that's what that that's what a lot of the the fights that I was trying to take were guys who were either 0 and 0 same experience as me or maybe 1 and 0 or 0 and 2 or early in their career because you don't want your first fight to be against somebody who's 6 and 0 Who's Fuck me. who's just building their record, and they have they have a <laughs> lot of experience. And so, the every fight I tried to take to go pro was it fell through. The one that I didn't take was a guy who was a former uh, Glory kickboxer, one of the best kickboxers in the world, like similar similar level to Israel Adesanya, and he'd been training at an MMA gym. And my manager was like, "This is a bad." He was the main event, and it was out in Memphis tennessee so the the fight card was centered around him and even his manager was doing the homework and they weren't even i wasn't even sure if they were going to take it against me because i was coming from jackson week mma mm-hmm. i was a wrestler who had uh good jiu so if i don't know if he would have taken the fight either but my manager was like absolutely not one of those examples of this is a good fourth or fifth fight to make a name off of someone else and get yourself in the ufc but as a first fight where you're making a thousand dollars and you're you know shoot who knows who knows what injuries you're going to walk out of that fight with yeah so it's um
1: how many amateur fights do you think you should take before you like start dabbling in pro yeah i think that that's a good
0: question and a lot of that's going to depend on if you come from kickboxing let's say you've you come from kickboxing you have 50 kickboxing fights under your belt if you can go in there and you can string together 4 or 5 MMA wins as an amateur, then you then I'd say you're ready to go pro. Some some guys only need 3. Mm-hmm. It just depends on where you're training at, how soon you take amateur fights cuz like like us, when we when we we're I I had my first amateur fight after less than a month of actual training MMA. And like that's, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of it. A lot of guys. And I was begging. Yeah. And, and (laughs) that's, yeah. And that was, that was it. It was a lot of guys are, are, I was, I took, I think every one of my amateur fights that I took at, cause I was 18 to 19 was whenever I had the bulk of them. I shouldn't have had, I should have taken that year to prepare myself to have my first amateur fight. Um yeah, okay. And so it's it's almost as if like those fights yeah I I had a a winning record 5 and 4 but I was not I wasn't at the level that I should have even been fighting. So if I would have taken that year and then taken 5 to 7 amateur fights, I probably would have went undefeated in those fights and then been ready to go pro versus taking nine fights, taking losses, going up against guys who are doing it right and then now now whenever i'm a year in it's like people are like you've got 10 amateur fights why aren't you going pro It's like because because i'm just now at the level that i should probably be winning all my amateur fights and i think that's that's a a better answer is the level you should be at to go pro is whenever you're kind of dominating the amateur scene and you see a lot of good wrestlers they'll go about that route a good kickboxer, shoot, Bo Nichols. He took two amateur fights, I think. Did he really? He took two amateur fights, and he poor guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even even him, who's at this world class level of wrestling, he's still his managers and his team saw the importance of let's get these amateur fights under our belt so we can kind of see so you can see how it feels to step in there and fight another another man and 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 before you go pro and that's your first, like maybe maybe the guy who goes pro's got. 10 amateur fights Mm -hmm. and and now he's so it's uh it's a it's a you got to be smart with your career and it's easier to do it when you're young that's that's what i learned it's easier to do it when you're young and your responsibilities are to fighting like and that's before you
1: have a family and a job yeah because
0: it's a lot easier to go all in on fighting and make it to that level because once you're in the ufc as much as it's harder in a lot of ways it's easier because you're making real money Mm you're your your fights you don't have to take fights on a one week notice most of the time you also get contracts yeah you get contracts you get you get everything so as much as the ufc is harder level of competition Mm -hmm. once you're there that's that level of fighting and that that kind of paycheck people are like oh fighters don't get paid nothing but it's like you're you're making making let's say 15 and 15 on your first fight your second fight you make 20 and 20 your third fight you make 40 and 40 let's i mean those those might be big numbers for
1: the listeners that's a 20 to show up 20 to win 40 to show up 40 to win
0: so let's and you should probably be early in your ufc career you should probably be fighting about three times a year you're making six figures yeah just in if you go in and win all your fights now that's not the that's not the amount of money that major league baseball or nfl players but that's enough money to where you can live off of and actually live pretty comfortably and then build your build yourself from there so by the time you're fighting on those pay-per-views and you're making five hundred thousand dollars a night to fight now you're now you're making good money to where you can set yourself up for success and that's why fighters stick around too long too yeah (laughs) because by the time they're at that level they they're they're finally making a lot of money and they're like, I'm not walking away now.
1: Now, yeah, now yeah. that I'm making that bank. Yeah. Looking back on like uh like your your career and I mean <clears throat> even just preparing for fights, amateur pro, uh Jackson Wink, what do you think is like some of the struggles, like some of the hardest parts?
0: Yeah. So to, this will be a long answer, just because it's kind of like there's a lot my my story in a lot of ways with it. So I was when I was fighting, I was working as a full time firefighter, and so I would work 48 hours on, and then I would have four days off. Um, and I was and if anybody what knows anything, anybody, but anybody who knows anything about how firefighters operate in that 48 hours, like there's no real sleep taking place. So I'm you know me i'm thinking like oh i got these four days off but i was at one of the busy i was on one of the busiest fire trucks in the country so in those 48 hours i was running i was up all night and then i would get off a shift be extremely sleep deprived and i'm training the first day i'm off and and so and i'm also a dad and a husband and i have four kids <laughs> one of them is not even a year old yet so there was there was a lot of stuff that I was trying to balance i was i was kind of trying to i was kind of trying to pursue a goal that that I set for myself when I was eighteen or nineteen years old at twenty eight and mm-hmm. not not that i not that I was wrong to try to do it but i like i like i mentioned earlier I think it's a lot easier to do it whenever you're when you're young when you're younger because now i'm I'm in training camp constantly. I was always training. a lot. Most, most of the time, all four of my days, I was doing three different sessions. I was doing a grappling session and then a skills session. Um, and then twice a week, I was sparring. So completely exhausted. And then I would go to work and I would try to fit in some strength and
1: conditioning when I was at the firehouse. I'd be trying to hydrate those days.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, I was trying to recover, but sleep is the most important part of recovery
1: yeah um so so it's probably why i got this jockey (laughs) this jockey physique yeah yeah Um, i keep working harder because i'm not growing (laughs) (laughs) but i'm not growing because i'm not sleeping yeah
0: well and it's it's uh so while while i was training really hard i was i got to take a couple amateur fights just because my whole goal was to make my pro debut but like i mentioned all my pro fights fell through Mm -hmm. so i still wanted to be fighting and my coach at the time was like, I want you to at least get one amateur fight under your belt before you go pro. And so I had that, I had that amateur fight. It was, I think you it, sent that to me, right? Yeah. It was over in a minute. The, the guy yeah. wasn't even, you know, like I, I was training and I was at the level of a pro and I was fighting an amateur. And that's a lot of times where you want to be at when you go pro. So, and this guy was, you know, he was a, he was a wrestler. He was a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and he had had six fights. So he wasn't a he wasn't a chump, oh, but yeah. I was just I was training at one of the best gyms in the world, sparring with guys who were in the UFC. So I knew, like I knew I was ready. So there was a level of confidence going into that. And then I, and then I had another amateur fight, and this one was, and this is the other hard part about fighting amateur, that I didn't know that the rules in New Jersey were you had to wear shin pads, you couldn't do ground and pound, and you couldn't throw head kicks. So that was that was probably about 80% of my game plan was to tear up the legs while we're wearing shin pads and then to go start throwing head kicks and then take them down and hit ground and pound. I I lost a silly decision, but I was like, man, that's not even a, that's not even an MMA fight. So you also have to know the rules of the state that you're fighting in. Whereas in pro, at least, at least, you know, it's going to be a real fight. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a, I don't know makeshift kickboxing match that they're mm-hmm. calling an MMA yeah. fight. So, I think that the best way to go to go about it is to get a handful of amateur kickboxing matches, do a lot of grappling tournaments while you're an amateur, and then when you're ready to go pro, you're <laughs> you're 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 forced to be reckoned
1: with. When did you have like the most like anxiety, like pre-fight anxiety? I remember like the fighters' meetings used to get me like when you start talking about like what you can do to each other. Yeah. You start like actually visualizing people doing it to you. Yeah. And I would start getting like a lot of anxiety then. I remember when you're like meeting your opponent, you're weighing in. Yeah. And you gotta like sit around each other and talk and. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you get the most fight anxiety?
0: So I think I'm a little bit of a weirdo when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't maybe because I competed in wrestling growing up and I had, I had a ton of anxiety my first couple years of wrestling, that that when it came to fighting i had maybe worked through some of that anxiety at least i knew how to deal with it so when it came to fight day i wasn't really anxious um, Gotcha. it was you know even and i ne- and like i said i never had to fight an extremely dangerous opponent when i when i was um when i was at jackson's i i was trying to fight uh, you know i was looking for those fights but most of the guys who i had to fight i was like oh this is i'm I, in every way i'm better than them and but where you know where I had him in wrestling was right before I had to step out on the mat, and I knew that this kid was good, <laughs> and and that was so my anxiety there was coming from not having confidence in myself. Gotcha. And but I think anxiety, everybody everybody handles handles it differently. Some people it's a superpower that they get really anxious, um, and some people that anxiety is crippling and it hurts them. For me, I just felt it easier to just not (laughs) to not really worry about the things that i couldn't control and i would just try to step into the ring super confident i I like to run i like to run from the the time they called my name out into the ring
1: so no jitters at all
0: Uh, not really no i I wasn't never
1: get the butterflies the stomach drop the the like i gotta walk in a circle none of that i no on and that's interesting no i i really (laughs) it must hit different yeah i say anxiety
0: for me maybe i would just lie to myself and try to
1: try to just you know you are that kind of person like you, you always like you always tell yourself first that you're doing the right thing yeah <laughs> you yeah know what i mean and then you yeah. believe it you're like yeah like no i'm gonna go do i do remember like that is like a trade of yours like guys i'm joining the coast guard it's the best thing for me it's like you already had this talk with yourself yeah oh and yeah you've already convinced yourself and since you had the talk with yourself it's it's going down yeah
0: <laughs> for it's-
1: me for me like i'm glad that like we uh like the amateur stuff. Yeah. Cause like going through like the cage fighting like made like makes jujitsu competition so easy. Yeah. Like it's like, like, and I imagine wrestling over time cause that's like wrestling's not easy. It's so explosive. You got so much like, man, it's not like, it's not like going out and playing tennis. It's like, damn it, I missed a couple yeah. like serves or like, man, I missed a couple shots or I missed that catch. It's like, it's like very physical, bro. It beats the shit out of you. Yeah. I mean, like, like there's everybody watching like i i know i you know i didn't wrestle but like i can get i can pick up on like it just i but the anxiety you would get for your matches but you have to grind out so many that you just kind of learn like that's you know your process keep it moving yeah Yeah, you know your process and i think that's where like i'm at like uh like if i do a jiu-jitsu competition it's like i'm not like nervous and then, like, I'll see my name on the board, and I'll get this little, like, yeah. oh, shit, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I'll be like, all right, you're good. Like, yeah. You're good. And then, like, the next thing's like, damn, I got to hit the bullpen. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, man, I get, like, a little bit of a spark there. And I'm like, okay, we're good. And then it's like I walk out to the mat, and it's like by the time I'm walking, it's like, eh, I don't feel. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, like, my my objective is just to put my foot on the mat because, like, I always compared to, like, when I was little going down the water slide. The yeah. island yeah. had that big drop. And yeah. you just have to fucking go. You gotta go. Yeah, yeah. you can't sit there and stare <laughs> or look around. If you look, that's when you freeze. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You just gotta kind of send it. And I think I learned like, I got to step on the mat because yeah, I'm not gonna turn around that ball. Yeah,
0: that was, and that's, <laughs> and I I learned, I learned how bad anxiety can make you perform. It was my freshman year, I got put on varsity, and I and the the kid wrestling before me was the team captain, and he was he was about to pin the kid he was wrestling. And I still remember this clear as day. We were wrestling Northeast high school and he was about to pin the kid. And I was sitting there getting ready to go. Like, no, 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 Don't pin him. Don't pin him. I'm not ready to go yet. I was freaking out. I was freaking out. And I went out and I got, I got pinned pretty quick against a kid who in all rights, I should have at least competed with, but I had myself, I myself worked up because I was on varsity as a freshman. And, thinking I didn't believe I didn't believe in my heart that I really belong there. Mm. Um and then and because I didn't believe I belong there, if the you know, look what happened. And so I think learning that and by the time I was by doing that for four years, by the time I was a senior, I knew the process. I knew that if I go out there and I have those conversations, so I would go in there with kinda like we're talking about like I already had a conversation with myself that I'm gonna beat this kid. <laughs> and I And not only that, I knew that as much as it sucks going that, because when you're in high school, everything's social, like a lot of social pressure and things like that, that, um, going back to school or having seen your, you know, your friends just saw you lose and this and that, like I, that, those were concerns of mine. He's a wrestler, but he's a shitty wrestler. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and that was, you know, whenever, when, when you're, when you're in high school, you kind of make your identity about certain things. So my identity was a wrestler. And so, my senior year, when I was like, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the state champ and this and that, and then I went out and lost a couple times. Like, I took it so hard. But then I, then I got to also reflect back on that. Like, I still got all my friends here. Like, nobody actually, no, nobody's actually judging me any differently because I went out and lost a wrestling match. So, some of those conversations had already been had and losing a fight is a really bad i mean i got knocked out here in tampa in front of like all my all my friends yeah at at that time i was 19s, but all my all my friends in high school and my parents and everybody they came out and they they saw me get knocked out and it was it's a terrible feeling
1: but you fought before me that night right no i was the last were you the last? I was, yeah. I was the main event so, that yeah, night. I got put to sleep that night. Yeah. So and it's it's such a bad feeling. But you know what? Like I'm calling bullshit, bro. Them fucking <laughs> meat, them fucking shin pads, bro. I couldn't get yeah. out of the team. Well,
0: yeah, and there was there was all that guy. Yeah, I could go and that guy grabbed the cage. Doesn't count. Yeah, it it doesn't, doesn't count. <laughs> no, I still got. I oh still, yeah, that was the cage grab. Yeah, yeah. I remember
1: it, you explained that. We should we should. Uh, yeah, that
0: scenario sucked. <laughs> it sucked, and it was once again no ground and pound. You know, I I I had the guy. I had the guy picked up over my shoulder, pushed up against pushed up against the cage, and I picked him up over my shoulder. And I went to turn around, and he grabbed the cage. But you couldn't see it. I couldn't see that he was. So you just thought he
1: was super good. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> so then I went and pulled, and then he lets go, and then all my momentum from pulling him goes, and I end up on bottom. And yeah, I start thinking, I'm like, this guy has some insane hips that he went from on my <laughs> shoulder to on mount. Cause he landed on mount on yeah. top of me, and I I I got my guard back, um, but it that was, was it was me. still that like was it shit. it messed with my head. Like I I didn't feel like I could shoot on the guy anymore. So what did I do? I decided to stand and bang. And the early days of uh of training were or n- there was no technical striking. I'll just say <laughs> that. Like I just i went in there jab overhand shoot jab overhand shoot, and we weren't doing we weren't doing any sparring with big gloves back then we weren't doing any any of the stuff that that i learned is so important like i said developing some kickboxing developing these other skills like our whole our whole training was get them to the ground and ground and pound and and so like i said i was not a complete fighter and I shouldn't have even like like I said I shouldn't have even that maybe sh- I was maybe at the point where I should have had my first amateur fight when I was having my ninth amateur fight for an amateur
1: title, and and that was and that guy was going pro and that guy went pro in the next fight same thing with the guy I fought yeah he he went I think he was waiting. His pro debut was scheduled. He took that fight yeah. as like a tune-up. a tune-up.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's kind of where I was at when I
1: was at Jackson. He, I, I would have beat him. I yeah, know. I would've. Yeah, I mean, it's it, one it, of the freaking things, and it, it and sucks. That,
0: and the same thing, like, still burns me. It's yeah, it, it <laughs> yeah, still hurts. Still burn you. And, and I mean, I think I came to terms with it just like <laughs> and, because I got to scratch the itch a yeah. few more times. But it it did eat at me for a while. But I should have, in hindsight, I should have stuck with the game plan. You know, you learn from you learn from your mistakes. People grab the cage
1: all the time and <laughs> fighting.
0: People are gonna cheat, like, and you have to you have to be able to yeah, overcome. Yeah, but he did people, like, a few
1: times. Yeah, and like, I didn't even know you didn't know. Yeah, but he did a couple like a few times, obviously. Yeah, and when we talked, because I didn't talk to you that night. Yeah, because you, I was you were, concussed. Yeah, <laughs> no, then, not
0: actually. I wasn't actually concussed. I no? never had
1: a concussion. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just kidding. Yeah. Well, you're fussed yeah um (laughs) um let's try (laughs) it was just funny because like i I remember talking to you when you told me that like oh man he had really good hips and then we found out that like no dude he was grabbing the cage but i could see how that just makes your confidence go like like fuck i can't get him like i had him dead to rights you had him
0: lifted i had him lifted on my shoulder gonna put him in the middle of the
1: cage like matt hughes style yeah and yeah you should you should have had that then you boxed with him yeah and he was a way better boxer than me tough night man and then like we should like and another part and this is all going into like how tough in the background shit is not only do you have to train to get in condition which is a bitch yeah then cut weight which is a bitch which i felt good for that one because i went from cutting to 135 to that was 145 for me yeah so and i'm like i would get down whenever you and i would run together or do like our little camps it was always like that last five pounds, like did not want to come off of me. I had to starve myself and then I felt like shit. And then that got in my head as well. But when I did the one forty five, I felt comfortable. Yeah. Even though the kid was bigger than me. I felt like I felt fine walking in there. And this is like years and years and years and years ago. But, um, and my situation, both of us were kind of set up because we're going against people who are going pro, uh, and just took tune up fights. But then also like, if you remember, like that kid, like his coach was in our, for me, his yeah. coach was in our corner, like yeah. our locker room. Yeah. Watching warm ups, listening to our game plans, like all that kind of shit. Remember, we had to go warm up in the alley. Yeah. But even before that bullshit, so keep in mind, we have a lot to do. They would, they like gave us tickets to hand out to people to come. Yeah. Remember? Oh, it was man. local. It so was so bad. Yeah. And we're like excited. All of our friends get to come. And then we get the call, like, what? We have to give them the money or the tickets. Yeah. Or we don't get to fight, right? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. That, like so we, that whole thing, that was, that was another thing where we weren't focused on the fight because we we're focused on selling tickets. We had, yeah, we had to go way in and then we had to be back by the evening time with the money yeah. and the extra and tickets.
0: The worst part was, I remember this and I'm not going to throw the person's name out there. One, a couple of our friends had lost their tickets. <laughs> so I, like they're standing out front and, and like I, I had a job at the time. And they, I don't know if they did or didn't, but I, I bought their tickets. So they, so I went out there and I gave them tickets. So I took money out of my own, po- the night of the fight. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that was silly of Instead me. of going home and resting or yeah, or No, drinking. this, no, this was the night of the fight. Like yeah, I was, when they're at the door, right? at the door they yeah. don't have their tickets. And, and so all, when you look at the mental preparation and where your head should be out for a fight, like should, it was, it wasn't there. I should have gone home and chilled. Yeah, and should like have
1: hydrated
0: sh- and yeah, like relaxed and and, and that's diagram. and once again, that's the difference between being a pro and an, and an amateur. Is when when you're when it's time to go pro, you should have you you know you thankfully stuff like that's why you go amateur because those losses don't actually count on your pro record. So you could go one and eight as an amateur. And you go 0-0. O o, you start out as a pro 0-0, o and, o, and you go 5-0. And, and then the UFC doesn't look at that amateur record at all. Hmm. Um, so that's I think that's the whole point of going amateur is to work out some of those kinks. You know, you get you get a fight where the guy grabs the cage, and you get to experience what that feels like. So now now when it happens again, you're like, okay, like no, that's not crazy hips. That's cheating, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stick to my game plan and yeah. and different things like that.
1: Like you're going to go for the single now or like yeah. you, you can adjust or catch him yeah. in the middle of the cage.
0: Yeah. Or just like, I'm going to hold off a second whenever I feel that resistance and I'm going to let the ref smack his hand off the cage yeah. and you can, and you can only get that through fight experience. And I think that's the importance of an amateur career. Um,
1: and that's, you know, like, I made that mistake too. Like that kid, sh- like when you walk in and you touch gloves, he shot in on me, but he yeah. kept, if you remember, he kept asking me, you touch gloves, you touch gloves, and I kept saying, up to you, up to you, with yeah. you touch gloves. And then when I walked up with my hand up, he shoots in to try yeah. to get a sneaky takedown. I was doing a good job defending it, but I decided to do that Kimura roll, yeah. completely forgetting the cages behind me. yeah. So I basically pulled him on top of me because there was no room to roll him. And then, so I started the fight off with him trying to blast double me, me taking a breath like, holy shit, we're touching we're fighting, gloves. Yeah. yeah, And then like, <laughs> trying to reverse it and then he falls on top of me i can't roll him because the cage is in the way yeah well and
0: that's and that's the thing like even when you touch gloves like the fight has started like there's yeah like and and but that once again like that's a that's a lesson learned as an amateur exactly that like as a pro like you touch gloves and i know me like i'm gonna touch gloves and i'm not taking a step back like i'm coming forward and and that that touch of gloves is like hey like we're fighting it's nothing but respect but like i'm coming forward from the minute that i'm i'm fighting and the they walk out the minute you walk out there and it's not my responsibility to make sure that you're also ready to come forward um and so i think and, and you'll and you'll see that a lot of times like two guys who are ready to bang they'll touch gloves and then the fight starts right then and there mm-hmm. um and sometimes Guys will touch glove. They'll both hop back, and then one will be the one going For forward. Sure. Um, you don't go out there and like it's uh, similar. Like whenever, whenever you're both tired in, in a, after an exchange, like that's one thing that'll happen in a gym in the gym a lot. And uh, the coach, the you know, like the man uh, Greg Jackson, he would call that making the deal. Like we're in the gym where you would go in there and you would have a crazy flurry, and then you would both hop back and you would catch a breath. Mm -hmm. like oh we're making a deal like we're both gonna go we're both gonna take a step back here breathe he's he would always say like don't make a deal with that with that guy like Ah. once once you're in that flurry you keep going forward and that's and that's the same thing like there's no making deals in a fight like Mm -hmm. and and if you do that you're putting yourself at a disadvantage rather than taking the opportunity to create an advantage for yourself yeah um and you, you know that,
1: that goes that reigns true in jujitsu and it everything is, else. Like it is kind of like you guys indirectly saying reset, reset, reset. Yeah, yeah
0: reset. Like okay, we're both tired. <laughs> <laughs> like we let's just get a breather here. And, and it's, um, and in a lot of ways, it's what makes you know what what will turn the tide in a close fight is that person like, Drakus Drakus and Sean Strickland. It was. You know, it was a super close fight, but it kind of seemed towards the end that Drakus was walking him down a little bit. He was he was constantly throwing, constantly throwing, and Sean was trying to get back to pop in his jab. Mm-hmm. He was trying to turn the tides a little bit, but whenever you're behind, you're behind, and it's I don't know. It was still a close fight, and it was a split decision. So, I think Sean won. Yeah, I
1: think Drakus well, won. <laughs> like, see, and that's and that's that's the I can thing. see it's super close. It's one of the ones where I can yeah. see either one either way, but. Personally, I've always seen like you got to beat the champ. Yeah, and which I'm, I
0: don't, I don't agree. Like person, like yeah, and I, I, oh, like you mean? I, like, I
1: think that like even if it's like close, even if it's close, like just, the person who won won. And, I, so I used to think that way. Yeah, and then I saw the fucking you got to beat the champ. Yeah, so then I adapted to that, and now we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, and I feel like that's the story of the fucking UFC, yeah. bro. Like
0: now it is. It's it was, and I, and that was the reason I thought that drekus might not have won. I had him winning three rounds. Right, but I was like, ah, but the judges might not give it to him because he's not the champ, which I never really liked that right. to begin with, because it's like, no, it's still
1: you don't just get a free pass because you won the belt. I have two theories. Yeah. One of them is they need to make a fucking rule book. Because like <clears throat> like those takedowns from Dreekis, yeah. They didn't do anything. No. So it should be to me kind of scored like a punch that missed. Yeah. Like you got it, whatever, or like or like a a punch that hit the guard, because like it wasn't productive. Yeah. He got back up yeah. on his terms. Yeah. So you just almost in a way like stalled. Yeah. Unless you're like wearing them down by taking them down and making them get up and taking yeah. them down. But then again, you're, you're, you're controlling, a, you're controlling the octagon. I think that's where it should be scored. Like it's octagon control. If it's, you get at least one punch in or yeah, like, it, then like, it's a significant strike. Right. Right. But like, if you just take them down, but so I don't think those takedowns really should have counted as much. No. In my head, my yeah. opinion. But if the UFC came and said, take down score, mm. then we stick to that. Yeah. If we if the uh, and then the other thing they do a lot is like, Oh, he was the aggressor. I'm like, but some people are counterfighters. Some yeah. people walk backwards and Yeah. Fight. Some people are really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Izzy, uh even Mayweather in boxing is like a counter fighter yeah um and that's i think that's where i get that bias is because i grew up watching so much boxing yeah boxing is not as big of a deal to go backwards go backwards yeah yeah. but in like ufc they're like well like you know tony ferguson walks forward yeah it's like but if he walks forward and like 10 punches
0: yeah no i agree and i and that's where the significant striking should be the primary criteria but my other theory is that
1: they purposely leave it loose so it's controversial, and yeah, then they can sell it again. It def- no, that's definitely... And then if Strickland wins this time, now they can sell the trilogy. Yeah. So you get three sales from not having rules rather than, like... Yeah, because
0: one. if if Strickland beats Duplessy, he doesn't necessarily have to give him a rematch, whereas Duplessy beats Strickland, and because Strickland was the champ, the champ should get an automatic rematch if it's
1: a split decision win. Like, I- that's how it's gone in the past, at least. Did you notice any politics, like from that high level like going through the gym like with those ufc guys and stuff did you realize them dealing with like you know trying to get booked or like i mean being it, used or
0: it was it was a little like and
1: that's where like I was, holly home was it holly right?
0: home yeah holly Holm was an example like it actually seemed to me the the high level fighter that i knew probably probably the best was uh michelle watterson um and that's one thing that she she had talked about like she's the one who i I pulled the example of that she's sticking around fighting because she's making so much money every fight even though um even though she was you know she she might have been better in her up and coming years um where she was at in the oc she's like why am i going to stop fighting right now i've made a big name for myself i'm making x amount of dollars per fight and so there's when you're at that level you do get to call your shots a little bit more um versus like getting to train with um i got to train with some some of the guys who were early in their UFC career and they would have to they would they would have to be kind of ready to take on like whatever fight came their way so once once you're established with a name you get a little bit more of a pass but when you're coming up you you're kind of a little bit more at the UFC's beck and call. And that was um, Damon Blackshear. He's an example of a guy who took a fight on one-week notice because he's trying to get his name built up. And then once your name's built up, you're probably not going to get cut from the UFC because you see guys like Tony Ferguson lose six in a row. No, seven. Seven in a row, and he's still (laughs) not cut from the UFC because he still sells tickets. And whereas Damon, he's went like two and two or two and three or like I think he, two two and one. Some some weird record, but he's winning fights, but he had a nasty twister. He took a fight that was a tough one on one week notice, knowing that, hey, this is kind of a this might not be the best fight for me. I might be able to win it. But even if I don't win it, like yeah, people are gonna know my name more. So that's what that's what it seems like people are trying to do at the lower level. The UFC is make a name for themselves. And then they then they're not going to get cut because they lost two fights.
1: Yeah, it's like <clears throat> it's starting turning a little bit into WWE. I kind of hope it calms down. Yeah, I think it might. But now you got like fucking Ian Gary. <laughs> People like him. Yeah, are, like are like <laughs> the ones that like keep getting the calm. living with
0: his living with his wife and her ex husband, who's putting him on a vegan diet, and she's she wrote a book on
1: how to like. Wag had a yeah wife, <laughs> wife and girlfriend. Yeah, and then with this sele- like, and she had, a, and he has her his last name. Yeah, because he took her last name, yeah. which was
0: well, she's she's like forty years old, and he's yeah. like twenty six. No, it's fucking that it's, says enough about that. Yeah, though.
1: it's it's a bad situation, but no, it's uh, not. It's his situation. Yeah, it's his situation. And he thinks he's cool, which <laughs> is another situation I I liked him, and then like I'm like, the more I learned about him, I'm, like dude, just get him out of here. Yeah, like I don't even. It's not even like Conor McGregor would make you hate him but want to watch him fight. Yeah. I, no one even gives a fuck. No, Sean. Like, yeah. I, I Ian, I Ian Gary, he's... Like, if he stopped fighting, I don't think most people would like... Yeah.
0: He's he's a good fighter. I actually think he's got really high-level skills, but his personality is, <laughs> is not going to sell tickets. So, he's the opposite of a... I mean... He's not the opposite of Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor was really good, but when it comes to the personality, he's the opposite of Conor McGregor. His personality is going to do nothing for the needle.
1: Yeah, um, for real. Um, all right, sorry. Uh, ran out of bandwidth or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We got to restart. Donald had to pee. Um, Just number one. Yeah, he still sits down. but um, <laughs> That's... Nothing wrong with that. So we left off on how cool Ian and Gary is, which is always fun. But I'm um, coming back around because, like, you and I were really into it. We were really dedicated for the the those, like, what, three years probably we yeah. Um <clears throat> But there's, like, one thing, at least for me, that was missing. And that was, you know, I wasn't afraid of the work. I was definitely dedicated, definitely loved it, definitely about it. But, like, the one thing that I could honestly say that in perspective down the road now that I was missing was like, like, um, the direction. Like, I didn't yeah. know where to go. Like, had I known, you know, what steps to take, like, I think I would have been fine. Yeah. I'd and probably th- been gone down that path easier.
0: Yeah. And I think that is the hardest part whenever you're young because I was, we met, we met our trainer at the time when I was 17, you were just barely 18. We didn't know the difference between someone who has your best interest. Yeah. And someone who has their best interest. And I think that is as a fighter, it getting, getting in with somebody who has a proven track record that there's, that they've brought people through. And even if they haven't put people at the highest level, you can tell they have your best interest and they have legitimate skills and an understanding of it. So it's, and that's where I would see a lot of young fighters maybe making a a big mistake earlier in their career, um, is they were at a at a gym that didn't care about them, and especially training at a place like Jackson's, where a lot of fighters come in there and they have, they have bad records, and they were at a gym that they didn't they didn't care about like that the their trainer didn't care about them, and so they basically left everything, went all in on fighting and moved to. A gym like Jackson Wink that has that's a stable of um, a bunch of pro fighters has multiple uh, champions and and that eventually maybe they're not going to be getting trained by Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn right away, but the other coaches are are very good and they care about producing good fighters for the for the name of the gym because there's a lot of pride that goes behind a gym like jackson wink or american top team Mm -hmm. or uh team elevation these these gyms don't want to put somebody out there who sucks because that reflects them even if they're not getting trained by the head trainer the other trainers need to be they're a they're under their lineage so similar to like atos just just because you're at atos doesn't mean you're getting trained by andre galvao you're getting trained by his black belts And, and so whenever you're, when you're starting out, get with people who are caring about you, because that's what I really saw at Jackson's. There's a system, there's a system in place to producing good fighters and, and you can climb the system. You can, and yeah, you can, you, you start out in the amateur class and then you get invited into the pro class. So that's how it was my first few months. Um, I was going to all the amateur classes. I was, I was training with Um, the head amateur coach was Joey Vinsonior, who was one of the best fighters, um, at 185. whenever he was, he was a pro, he fought Jacare. He was King of the cage champion, really high level. Um, but he's building you. And then whenever he gives you the nod or, or for my, my, my case, Greg Jackson actually invited me because he was watching me in the grappling classes. And he's like, you need to come into, you need to come and train with the pros because they want. They want high-level fighters to train with their pros. So, getting getting in a place like that where you're learning about distance management, you're learning the ins and outs of every aspect of fighting, and versus going to a place where somebody just knows, all right, let's shoot a double leg and then hit some ground and pound like that. That's not going to win the fights that matter. So yeah. you have to you have to get with a team, and also you have to be willing to go all in because I saw that a lot where guys would get to these would get to Jackson's and they never made it out of the amateur
1: training because they were just excited to be like at they, Jackson Wink MMA and yeah so like they're like in, they're it's funny I was just talking about this um like they're uh I was talking about this like as funny as it is the Cleveland Browns yeah so what I noticed in football was like when the Cleveland Browns made the playoffs they partied like they won the Super Bowl and I said right then and there they're done. Yeah. I, I called it. I'm like they are they're they're satisfied. Yeah. That that's that they there's no grind. Like they're they're you know, where had they just like kept grinding, but they were satisfied at that level. And a lot of people that's where they're it's almost like shooting for the stars. Yeah. Or whatever, like aim for the stars, laying on the moon. Whatever yeah, way no, they it's, say. Exactly. Like if, if you're just like, Man, I just wanna get in a good gym. And you just and you're just satisfied with telling people you go to that gym. Yeah. You're satisfied. Yeah, and They're... it's
0: yeah, it's exactly what happens all the time because you have to have a certain criteria to even train there. So now that you're there and you've told all your friends that like, hey, I'm I'm going on this MMA journey and now I'm training at Jackson Wink, and then you're posting on your Instagram behind the Jackson Wink logo, you catch a picture with John Jones when he steps in the gym and some yeah. of these other high level fighters and all of a sudden you're you're not you're making your status about everybody else rather than making your status about you like if yeah. and that's what you see so many people do is is they're not they're not making themselves the main the the main show whenever they're trying to make it their fight career they're making the, they're making everything around them the main show. And so they never get past that because they're like, hey, yeah. look where I'm at. I'm making my name off of... The, no, these people didn't make a name off of other people to get to where they're at. They made their own name. And and that's that's why as a fighter, you kind of got to be selfish. And that's why I go back to it, like being in the position that I was in, I, I, had to, I had to come to a realization that if that 18-year-old me who set these goals to be a pro fighter, 28-year-old me, 29-year-old me isn't in that same life position and and actually I don't even think I want I don't even think I want this anymore. It's and it and I and it and I was okay with it because I got to scratch that itch. I got to go in there and my my whole thing that I wanted was I wanted to go pro. But then you got to figure out why is it that I want to go pro? And if the reason you want to go pro is is if the, that's your end goal, then cool, make make that what it is. But if you want to be one of the best fighters in the world, then you can't set your goal at going pro. Yeah, that's the that's that's like you're exactly like a you said. Pebble. That's like, hey, I'm I'm I made it into the playoffs. Because then you'll look around and be like, man, I got so much more and and now every fight's gonna get harder and and I'm gonna have to dedicate myself this much more and and as a fighter, you have to you have to be able to just dedicate everything to You gotta be so laser focused. And those were the guys who i saw come in as either early pros or even make their pro debut and now they're scratching at the door they're in the ufc steve garcia steve garcia is the one of the ones who who's really i don't know he, he's not a huge name in the ufc yet but he was a guy who i saw make it in the ufc and he just became that much more dedicated right. Damon blackshear made it in the ufc became that much more dedicated I like him. the 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 amount of fighters who are already in the ufc but then they're kind of they're kind of a little bit. They're kind of a little bit satisfied. I'm a or, UFC fighter. Yeah, I'm a UFC but, fighter. I can post it on my Instagram bio, and and same with being a pro fighter. And, and and you make twenty grand a year. Yeah, and then and then take it even lower. It's it's all about where you're going to set your goals to. If you're going to set your goals, I want to make it and I want to train at Jackson Wink MMA. Cool. Like that's going to be where it stops. If you want to be a good pro fighter, that's where it's yeah. going to stop. If you want to be the champ, like John Jones, everybody. That's what all the coaches would talk about with him is that guy came in there delusional like he came in there you have to have a level of being delusional he came in there like i'm the best fighter in the world right now and i just need to be exposed and he had that mindset going into every one of his fights and even when he came in there he was talented but he wasn't the best fighter in the world right. but he believed it in his heart and that's what and that, that's what makes a champion is, is you got to have you got to have a level of like if you got to think differently than everyone else, right? Because if you think the same as everyone else, that's the way you're going to end up. And that's what made him great. Holly Holm, she was never satisfied. She's one of those fighters that she was at the top of the game. She was a champion. She was like, a champion. Let's go dominate another sport. And then she still, she still trained harder than every other every other fighter in the gym because she wanted to stay at the top. And she's still at the top in her 40s. So. You know that's what, cool. yeah, that's what I would say. Getting to see the people at the top is they are they're not happy with being at the top. They want to, they still want to accomplish more. And
1: so, yeah, so guys, this is like a high risk, high reward game. I yeah, mean, and there's a lot of sleaze balls, uh, a lot of things that like, man, we could cover. If, I mean, we've got years into this industry, I guess you could say. But yeah, you got everything from promoters that like. Uh, at some of these local events the promoters that have like their three fighters that they yeah. promote so it's like you could win the fight i've seen it you win obviously your guy wins the fight but they give it to the other guy because you know that's a promoter's boy they're going to keep promoting their guys um people getting fucked out of their money yeah people people promised medical and then when they get hurt in the ring the check never comes to pay the hospital for you yeah i mean there's so much dirt to it so, it's all about navigating right, and I think that's like what I said earlier that's like I wasn't really sure how to navigate. We were a little bit naive, yeah, like very we, didn't, naive. we didn't we thought if we just train, we we're gonna do it, yeah, and didn't realize that there's like actually like you gotta have like the right um not team, but like the right like the right people in your corner, the, the right however moves. you wanna
0: look at, however you wanna look at what your corner is, like and you gotta be willing to listen to the people who've. <laughs> You know, find somebody who can, who's either been there and done that or has real wisdom in it.
1: Right. Yeah. I got a bonus question for you. Um So I was watching this clip this morning and it was about, it was from the Rogan podcast and it was about a UFC bus was driving through New York. You might know what I'm talking about. And there was a pro Palestine uh, protest in the road. Yeah. Mostly peaceful, obviously, but they blocked the bus. They cut the tires on the bus and started busting out windows. That's peaceful in this protest <laughs> inside of the UFC bus was Robbie Lawler and Jamal Hill how many and oh oh yeah so I'll give you the full thing so Robbie Lawler as the windows are getting busted and everyone in the bus is kind of starting to freak out and figure out like you know what the fuck's going on what are we doing Robbie Lawler says guys stay calm we might need to use our energy to fight or <laughs> so he he's like basically telling everyone like guys stay calm We need to save our energy in case we have to fight. That's what he told everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, like, so my mind goes to this like aerial view, like almost like a drone looking down and this bus door opening up and like just Jamal Hill and Robbie Lawler just running through this crowd. How many people do you think they could take? I think, (laughs) like, I think it's, it's like, uh, wrong fucking bus. Yeah. If, if they,
0: if they lined up and, and just took people out, like, one or two at a time. Like if they if they put their backs to the bus and people were coming at them kind of like boss mode. Yeah. Or you just gotta I think it, it could be a huge number.
1: <laughs> like they'd be dropping like twenty, thirty, forty people. Um Lawler's one of the dudes that like he fights with his face dangling off. Like he that dude yeah. you have to kill him. And and yeah, he'll he, it takes one hit for people like people get hit by
0: any one of those guys, they don't want to get hit by them. Ever mm-hmm. again, Jamal Hill—he's gonna, he's probably gonna like—he touches the average person there in the hospital. Robbie Lawler touched the average person there in the hospital. Oh, it's, for sure. So I mean, I think that, I think Jamal Hill would be, uneasy like thirty, thirty or so people if if he didn't let if people weren't getting cheap shots. So he'd have to he'd have to set himself upright. And then same with Robbie Lawler, like thirty forty people
1: until his hands probably, <laughs> hurt just to the point where <laughs> just until they got tired. Yeah,
0: just until they got tired. Which
1: I, I mean. mean I'm like thinking, like, what if Robbie Lawler like switched it up to dirty and started punching people in the throat?
0: Yeah, kicking people in the balls, and balls, and <laughs> yeah, stuff like like, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like, what if it wasn't even a fair fight? at yeah. That point, you
1: just had them going out like, yeah. my life's on the line. Yeah, I just thought about that, and I watched that clip this morning about that, and I'm like, what the wrong fucking bus? Yeah, like, well, and it's not even just like, oh, these are UFC fighters. It's like you got like like some, a couple of ones you don't want. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like,
0: yeah. No, that's a good
1: yeah, because like the
0: average pro fighter you know like there was an incident in new mexico where three guys broke into a pro fighter's house and he yeah he had like a 1 in 4 record so he wasn't even that good of a pro fighter he killed one of them put one of them in the hospital and the other one was sent off running and these and and they had weapons so he took uh, the so, so he took the knife from one of them justified guess
1: depending on what's uh, it was in new mexico so i think
0: he he was in big trouble so he was screwed. yeah he yeah. was screwed but uh um he fought that for a while but that just goes to show you you should have asked them to stop yeah 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 these are but these are aggressive young men breaking into a house with weapons and they still got they still got the blunt end of it so i could only imagine what like jamal hill and robbie lawler would do to the average person who's (laughs) who's, coming who's coming out it seems like
1: that happens like look at like uh kevin holland yeah and like sean strickland had that guy show up it is like, like it seems like there like I keep hearing these stories about UFC fighters. Didn't something happen with Derek Lewis or something like that or oh, I don't know. Anthony was it uh
0: Anthony um the the commentator. Um uh, is, oh, uh, I'm drawing a blank right Lionheart. now. Lionheart An- Lionheart, yeah. Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, yeah. Um he had a dude who was on meth who, who broke into his house and that dude was like but that, that dude was like a really good wrestler, but he he still held him down and but you know i think that one messed with him because the guy was a little tougher than than he
1: expected but still like messed up like so yeah Zenkai boost yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. well thanks for doing this dude yeah Um, i hope you had fun fun. yeah (sighs) everyone if you're starting your mma career it's shaky man it's not easy right yeah i mean yeah don't say
0: yeah don't rush it take your time get good get good before you even step in the octagon be around people who you can tell have your best interest, and if there's if everybody's telling you this person doesn't have your best interest, listen to the people who care about you, and that's that's gonna serve you rather than thinking like rather than getting with a sociopath who's just trying to make a name off of you.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Sounds familiar, but yeah, or and uh, put yourself around the right people. Yeah, put yourself around the people that you want to be. Yeah, for um, sure. If they're at uh, a nice ass gym, then go to that nice ass gym and start scrubbing mats. And
0: don't be afraid to to be at a gym that's paving the way either. I don't want to make it sound like there's not gyms that are, haven't produced fighters that aren't going to produce fighters. But make sure that that trainer is legitimate and is and is open minded to other people, learning from other people still. And that's and you're you're gonna you're gonna have a good career. That's a wrap. All right. Us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I think the podcast is fucking sick. If you're listening to it and you're like, you know, I don't know if I want to listen to the next episode of this podcast. You're probably a bitch ass. You need to listen to the next episode of this podcast and keep listening to it um, because my friends down here are trying to make shit happen and we're going to make some shit happen.